Good morning. Welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Nessa R. and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Today is Friday, March 12, 2021. Uh, today we are reading from the big book and we are in the chapter More of Alcoholism, page 43, the third and final paragraph that starts with Once More the Alcoholic. Today's readers are the 12 Steps, Tenzin P, the 12 Traditions, Jane S, um, uh, in uh, the, the book, Shirley S, Rosh G, and Susan H. The reference numbers for yesterday, Thursday, March 11, 2021, are for the 7 a.m. meeting, 16563, and for the 10 a.m. meeting, 16564. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And now I will ask Tenzin P to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Tenzin. Good morning, every, good morning, Nessa and everyone. And here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power 
to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you very much. Wishing everyone a blessed day. Thank you, Kenton P. And now, um, Jane S. will read the 12 traditions. Good morning, Jane. Good morning, Vision family. Thank you for your service. Uh, My name is Jane, and I am a compulsive overeater. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me be of service. Thank you, Jane S., How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, please press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass and then press star one to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 43, the third and final paragraph, starting with once more, the alcoholic. And I will ask Shirley S. to begin reading. Good morning, Shirley. Um, Shirley, uh, we don't hear you, so please press star one. 
Um, uh, oh, I'm sorry. I thought I was unmuted. Okay, My now you are. Shirley. Okay, I'm Shirley S. and I'm from Savannah, Georgia, and I'm a uh, compulsive overeater. Once more, the alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense against the first drink, except in a few rare cases, neither he nor any other human being can provide such a defense. His defense must come from a higher power. So this is the summary of the the whole um, chapter on more about alcoholism. And throughout the entire chapter, we've just been given the thread through this chapter of that we we can't um, stop with self-knowledge, nor can we stop with willpower. And um, I just feel like this last paragraph is kind of bringing it home um, where it starts with once more. They're just re- repeating it again. And I find that that is true for my own life. Um, it's taken me five decades to come to terms with my compulsive overeating and the disease. And um, I know that ho- I don't know how many times I tried uh, on self-will, um, uh, on my own self-willpower or uh, trying to figure it out. Um, but it's taken me, like I said, that long to really come to terms. And it, and it really hasn't been until this past year um, coming to a vision for you. And um, so uh, with that, I'll pass. Thank you very much. Thank you, um, Shirley S. And now, um, although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day in order that others may share their experience too. And with that in mind, I am ready to um, take names. Who wants to share? Joanne. Joanne A. Joanne. Joanne A. Joanne. 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 Elaine and Harlan G. Um, did I miss anybody who spoke up just now? All right, so then let's start with this group. Um, Rick, followed by um, Johan, then Janet B, Melissa C, Elaine, Harlan G. Rick, Rick G or J, please get us started. Was that our Rick G? Okay, maybe I misheard. Um, so, Joe, hey, it's M, me. Um, Sorry, I'm here. Oh, um, my phone keeps uh, remuting me somehow. So, <laughs> anyway, yes, oh. I'm Rick J. I am a recovered compulsive overeater from uh, Cary, North Carolina. And uh, although I am recovered, I am 
not cured, as my dear friend says. And I'm I'm looking at this paragraph, seeing how long I've struggled with this simple paragraph. It's again, you know, the the previous share. Um, it is reemphasizing this uh, once more. Um, the alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense against the first drink. None. Um, I am beyond human aid. And um, when it's it's talking about that in the previous chapters, um, you know, and uh, there is a solution. You know, being beyond human aid and uh, no return you through through human aid. It's showing me, you know, how that truly is the case with these examples in more about alcoholism, um, you know, using words like strange mental blank spots, uh, alcoholic mentality, hopeless condition. Um, you know, when I when I think about the way I I um, related to this, you know, I knew I, I needed a higher power. But that wasn't enough, even knowing that I needed a, a higher power and 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 really could see my hopeless condition and how powerless I was. Um, you know, the defense coming from a higher power means I have to access that higher power through a lot of action. So um, you know, a friend of mine um, would would talk to me about you know her program and and her recovery and what she had to do, and somehow. I would always think that I was doing sort of the same thing without doing the same things. I don't know how I really got that. I would see that that bottle of water she wanted in the in the vending machine, which cost a dollar. She just put her dollar in and got the bottle of water. And and I would just try to round up to a dollar, you know, by putting in maybe ninety seven cents. You know, sort of like, well, hey, that's that's an A, and um, I would just put in, you know, what I thought I needed, not just giving it everything I had. It's so simple. And when I started putting in the dollar, when I started doing the spiritual actions that need to be taken to access this power on a daily basis, then that's where my defense came in, and I started getting uh, recovery. And I am recovered now, and I have to maintain this recovery every day. Do the spiritual actions um, because I'm not cured. You know, I do have a daily reprieve, but I always love being reminded that I am powerless. I do have um, an alcoholic mentality, a, the chronic mind of of a compulsive overeater. If I don't have the recovered mind accessed through a higher power, so um, that's really all I have, and it's great to be here. And, and um, with that, I pass. Perfect timing. Thank you, Rick J. Now, uh, Johan N., uh, it's your turn, followed by Janet B. Please start, Johan N. Hi. Good morning. Good day. My name is Johan N., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Sweden. Thank you so much for service this morning and for all the people calling in. Uh, and uh, great paragraph, great powerful paragraph as well. And it shows me again that uh, I am I am powerless over this illness, uh, and that for me it uh, um, Johan M, uh, we lost you. Hi, sorry, oh, you're back. Uh, again. 
Thank you. Uh, coming in, though, I, I took this lightly. I, I, I knew about uh, the illness. I knew about the, the mental twist and the, the physical allergy, but uh, I really didn't commit to the program. I really didn't put the food down or did, you know, work the steps like I should. And uh, so going out again, or, you know, uh, I was probably out already, but coming back again, then I could see that I was completely powerless. I had got the first step experience and I started really to commit to this program. I started really working the steps. And uh, through that, I, I got the spiritual experience, a spiritual awakening, uh, which was amazing. And uh, I've, been, I've been abstinent uh, ever since. Uh, but the thing is, I need to access this power every day. I need to continue to do this work on a daily basis. I'm at a very dangerous place right now where I am neutral around the food, where I don't have any real problems except for luxury problems. Uh, I don't have any cravings. And it's easy now to just sit back, back in the sofa, put my feet up on the, on the table and start to relax in the program. But I need to work the program as intensely as I did when I came back and when I was desperate for a solution and when I was completely hopeless, completely out of ideas, I need to, to continue to do that work every day, uh, one day at a time, one day at a time, to the best of my ability, to to access the power that keeps me absent. I cannot keep myself absent. This higher power is the one that are keeping me absent. God is keeping me absent. So I'm com I'm I'm really really grateful to be here today. And I'm really, really grateful for the program, for, for the vision meetings and for great sponsorship within Norway. And I get that I get to uh, sponsor a bunch of guys and, and, and live in the program one day at a time. Whatever I pause. Thank you so much. Thank you, Johanem. Um, Janet B., you're up, followed by Melissa C. Janet, are you uh, are you there? Hi, can you hear me now? Yes, I can. Go ahead. Hi, good good morning. This is Janet B. Recovered from compulsive eating and bulimia in New Jersey. So I have a really horrible cat allergy, but I haven't had an asthma attack from a cat in over 10, 20 years um, because my mental defense works. And what that means is stored in my memory are a bunch of data points of cat-induced asthma attacks. So if I'm ever tempted to go into a pet store or visit a friend who has a cat, my memory sends a little thought running across the bridge that connects to my conscious mind, and it says, stop, danger, cats will give you an asthma attack. So my memory keeps me from danger. That's my mental defense. Page 24 tells us that our memory is our mental defense. Well, let's talk about food. I remember I used to binge on these certain kinds of cookies when I was in college. I would say I'm only going to have one or two, but I'd end up eating the whole box of 20 and sometimes more. So in my memory were hundreds of data points of how I'd promise myself I'll just eat one, but I'd end up eating the whole box. So if I'm about to go out and have one, my memory generates a little thought to run across the bridge connecting to my conscious mind saying, stop, danger, you won't be able to stop at one, you'll eat the whole box, you'll hate yourself, you'll get fatter, don't do it. 
except when it came to food, the bridge was broken and the thought couldn't get across. My memory failed to hold me in check and I had no defense against the first compulsive bite. I couldn't keep the memory green. I couldn't just tell myself to stay away from certain trigger foods. When it came to food, the bridge between my memory and my conscious mind was broken and I was hopeless. And that's what this paragraph's telling us. We have no effective mental defense against the first drink, the first compulsive bite, because I have a broken memory. And it tells me I can never fix it, and I can't rely on, rely on other people. No group can, can, take, can keep me abstinent. No sponsor can keep me abstinent. My only defense has to come from a higher power, which means I need to surrender my will to God as I understand him and to do what he wants me to in my life as best I can, practice rigorous honesty, rigorous unselfishness, and rigorous surrender to him. And then it doesn't matter that my memory is broken because I have a beautiful, awesome God who protects me and keeps me protected. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Janet B. Next stop, uh, Melissa C., followed by Elaine. Good morning, Melissa. Hi. Good morning, Nessa. Thank you so much for your service this morning. My name is Melissa C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I live in New York. Um, you know, I, this book, I was taught that I read it like a textbook. So this chapter is not just full of these stories for, for you know, no purpose. The, the real purpose of this chapter, you know, it's to close like to close and lock right all the other doors that promised a way of remaining sober and abstinent you know and i think like this chapter is not convincing me that i have to stop eating compulsively like this chapter you know we begin this chapter already knowing that but it's it you know and it's not telling me that abstinence is my answer right what it's telling me is that although i know i have to stop eating Although I know I have to be obstinate, I can't moderate. I like I know exactly what I need to do. This chapter is telling me that my big problem is I can't do it. Like I don't have enough power to do it, and in fact, no human being does. And you know, I know like I know that the first bite is stronger than me. Like I know that. I knew that before I read this chapter. I knew it on my own. Um, on my own, I'm gonna eat again. You know, I've had a lifetime of, of telling me that. And the only chance for someone like me, you know, is an act of providence. Like, that's what step one tells me, that it's only going to be a miracle. The only shot I have at any, like, peace and happiness is a miracle. And, you know, it. It. I think, like, this chapter and step one, it, it should leave the newcomer with this position of, like, desperation you know, and willingness, right? So if you're told that only a miracle, you know, is the only thing that you've got, your only shot, then, like, naturally, you should be saying, like, oh, my God, get me one of those. Like, I need a miracle. Help me. I need a miracle. And I think, like, you know, when the step is done correctly and thoroughly, there should be this feeling of urgency. You know, it's like your foot, like if I vision it, like like steps. It should be a natural progression. My foot is dangling in the air, and I'm desiring putting it down. I want to put it down on the next step. And, 
You know, so it's like every morning I have to say, am I hungry for a miracle? You know, and if I feel every morning with an urgency to seek God, to seek a miracle, then I know I'm starting my day in step one. And, and you know, and I pray every morning, please let me crave a miracle more than I crave the food. And um, thanks. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, uh, Melissa C. Um, Elaine, you're next, followed by Harlan G. And Elaine, if you can give us the initial of your last name, that would be great. Did I hear Elaine? Okay, maybe, um, maybe not. Um, so Harlan G, if you are ready, you can go next. Okay, thanks, Nessa. Um, I'm thanks for your service and thanks for making this possible. Uh, into Team Friday, I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater and I live in Scottsdale, Arizona. This little paragraph is an encapsulation of a magical chapter in a magical book that tells me something that I do not want to hear. What it tells me is there's no earthly explanation as to why I have this disease. There are hundreds of people listening right now. Some of us come from wonderful families. Some of us come from tragically not so wonderful families. Some of us are adopted. Some of us are black. Some of us are white. Some, whatever it is we are, we are here together today as compulsive overeaters. And my favorite title of a story in the back of the book of Alcoholics Anonymous is because I'm an alcoholic. And many of us come in on our first few meetings and we have a rehearsed canned explanation as to why we're here. I'm here because my mother used food and, and for, for comfort and she gave me ice cream when she should have given me a hug. She, sh she could have kicked my butt and it wouldn't have mattered. I either am a compulsive overeater or I'm not a compulsive overeater. No earthly situation can cause this illness. And here's the nugget for me. No earthly situation can remedy this illness. This disease is more powerful than anything that is of this earth. The chapter that we're reading, More About Alcoholism, takes most of its information from a book by Richard Peabody. It was written in 1930, and it was called The Common Sense of Drinking. And in The Common Sense of Drinking, Richard Peabody, and this book was so integral that Bill Wilson's copy of the book is in the AA archives as we're here today speaking. But this book, The Common Sense of Drinking, got a lot of things wrong, but it got a couple of things right. This disease is permanent. This disease is progressive. This disease is fatal. The shackles of this disease are too soft to be felt until they are too hard to be broken. The only thing that is more powerful than this disease is the power of God, the, my higher power. Lack of power is my dilemma. The buildup of emotions is my problem. And the only defense I have must come from a higher power. Money won't do it. Mere abstinence won't do it. 
Going to meetings won't do it. I must have a spiritual awakening as the result of the steps or I will not recover. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Harlan G. Before I take any more names, let me tell you that um, we are on page 43, the last and final uh, paragraph of this chapter. And if you shared in the past two days, Wednesday or Thursday, um, please uh, hold back so that other may, others may share their experience too. And who would like to uh, share? Larry G. Kathy Devora S. One second, one second. There was somebody between Kathy and Devora. Lisa? Anita J. One second. Lisa B. I somebody came in the way I couldn't hear. Okay, I, I still cannot get the name. Okay. Um who else would like to share? Joanne H. Julie? Lisa K. Sorry, Lisa B. No, Lisa. Okay, you're calling you're calling me, Lisa B. No, no. I'm uh taking a list of names. Not tell me who who let me tell you who I have. I have Larry G, Kathy, Lisa B, Devorah S, I think Julie H. I hope I got that right. If not, you'll Correct me, and uh, we can take uh, another name or two. Dawn S. Jason K. Did you get Susan H? Okay, so I think we have a a lineup. Um, So let me tell you who it is. Larry G, Kathy, Lisa B, Devorah S, Julie H, Dawn, Jason K, and Susan H. so, Larry G., you can get us uh, going, and Kathy, you're after Larry. Yeah, thank you, and <clears throat> thank you for all who give service. My name is Larry G., and I'm from uh, Northern California. <clears throat> well, Bill throws the gauntlet down. Um, there is absolutely no... Um, Larry, we lost you. We lost him. Good morning, Larry G. Can you hear me? Yeah, now I can hear you. Thank you. Thank you for giving service. Uh, Yeah, Bill is really clear here. I have no human defense against the first drink. Um, You know, there would be nothing more than I'd want to do than play for the Chicago Cubs, try out for the spring training and make the parent club and play um, Major League Baseball. But I, I would have no defense against that first fastball. <laughs> no defense. Um, somebody would throw a 97-mile-an-hour major league fastball that looks like a, an aspirin tablet. I would not have no defense. Um, I played Division I baseball when I was younger. And when I was 20 years old, I tried out for a major league team and got cut. I had no defense then, and I have no defense now. Um, but when it comes to food, you know, I'm so arrogant thinking that I could walk into my favorite crack house and buy healthy food and walk out protected without God. And I cannot tell you how many times I walked in to this particular store 
and walked out with about 25, 30,000 calories of my favorite crack food, uh, flour and sugar. Um, and I had no defense. I, it, someone mentioned page 24. I did not have the sufficient consciousness to remember the last humiliating suffering just a day or a week ago. Um, one of the things that one of the benefits of coming to a vision for you is that I have really uh, strengthened my faith and my developed a relationship with a power greater myself. Um, there are days that um, I go to God asking God how to dress. Uh, I have some doubt about what to wear on this day, and I will ask God how to dress. Now, I, who does that? I, I never did that. I was like uh, Jim, you know, who would walk into the, the bar and grill and uh, without God and would put brandy in his milk. And brandy for me was the vegan muffins. I cannot tell you how many times I'd walk in the store to get the vegan muffin. What's wrong with a little muffin, right? Sweetened with uh, fruit juice, uh, pinto flour. What's wrong with that? And that muffin would lead me time after time again to the real stuff. Um, it hasn't been easy. There's been some days where the... Uh, the desire to eat compulsively has returned very powerfully. Um, it's been progressive. It, it feels like I've never even been on a vision call, but I'm recovered today because I get on my knees and I pray to God to remove the obsession. I write a 10 step and I call another members program and it works. Uh, and those of you who are brand new, who are suffering, uh, recovery is a tedious process, but you got to get off the sidelines uh, just like I did. And finally, surrender to this program because uh, without God, I have no defense. Thank you, right. for Thank you, Larry G. Now, Kathy, you're next, followed by, followed by Lisa B. And Kathy, if you can give us the initial of your last name, please. Yes, Nessa, thanks so much. This is Kathy S., recovered compulsive overeater in Georgia. And um, Thanks so much for the share so far. Can totally relate to the vegan muffin thing, by the way. Um, but once more, um, it's once again a final reiteration. It's not even final. It's said more and more throughout this book because I'm a forgetter of what is truly important, um, that I have no, no effective mental defense against this disease. You know, the physical allergy is, is just one part, entire abstinence, I can clear it out of my system and the physical craving is arrested, but it's that mental obsession that's my biggest issue. It's uh, the below the surface stuff, my emotions, my thinking, perceptions, that always got so unbearable, I just had to eat. I didn't feel, I just craved and caved. Um, and I can't stay stopped by writing an essay, a pro a con list, uh, the agony of my last binge, no other human and no other human plea, like anything from a doctor, a rehab therapist, my family, kids, fellows, nobody can give me um, what I need, the defense that I need. The, I know what I need is the power of God and the steps are the way to access God. You know, I recently had all my excuses lined up, my my defense, I can only, my only defense is for eating and, uh, you know, like stuff like, but I'm on vacation and I'm in an unknown place far, far away, traveling oh, 18 hours with my mom and sister, you know, I'm in a five hour time difference. 
I'm isolated on an island. Okay, so it was Hawaii. <laughs> but I didn't have my routine. Um, my mom, she she collapsed and had a seizure. We spent a couple of days in the ER. I got yelled at by a nurse. We had no idea why that happened. My sister looks and acts better than me. I felt left out, had no energy. You know, I can't eat and drink like they did on vacation. I couldn't exercise. I felt unsafe, blah, 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 you know. But, and here's the real defense with a capital D. Thanks be to God and this fellowship and the steps, you know, in all of my disturbances and in all of my excuses, um, I made outreach calls. I worked, I worked 10 steps and I gave them away. I prayed, asked God for help, guidance, and he provided my defense. On this vacation, I witnessed grace, patience, faith, trust and surrender and I had just so much gratitude I was able to be of service um, I ate abstinent meals we laughed um, I had a lot of outreach with this fellowship and a connection with my mom and sister like I've never experienced before and it was the trip of a lifetime and it's off my bucket list <laughs> but wow God you know Hi. this is living and I'm so grateful to have surrendered to the side of this defense because it always brings victory. And with that, I pass. Thanks for letting me. Thank you, Kathy S. Um, and now um, it's Lisa B, followed by Deborah S. Good morning, Lisa. Lisa B, um, can you unmute, please? Star one. Here I am. Sorry, I've been having a thing with my phone lately. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And I do spell my name L-E-S-A. Um, you know, I, I was reading this paragraph, listening to all the shares, and I was feeling the urgency. And, and the word that came to my mind was being a loner. You know, if I'm going to stay a loner, I'm not going to get this. You know, in the chapter, How It Works, it says, if you want what we have and have decided to go to any length, and I had to find my we. I had to find people that had what I wanted. And I needed to be willing. I needed to be willing to do what they did. And so this paragraph is saying to me that I'm screwed, that I'm not going to be able to figure my way out of this box. Um, that there's no hope for me. And if that's the case and I'm that desperate, if I'm really, really that desperate, I'm not going to balk at the, the next step that I need to take, which is, you know, follow directions, follow directions. I don't like following directions. Um, so I don't know. That's really what I, I, I've been putting my name out there to be an available sponsor. And I, I've... Um, been learning so much I continue to learn so much as I interact with my fellows and um, I keep seeing myself and so many people wanting to be a loner you know saying I'm desperate wanting to go so far oh no I'm not I don't really want to do that that sounds like that sounds like a lot of work you know and I remember when I met the guide that took me through the work um, I just knew that I wanted to be free and I saw that I could live to be a hundred years old and never get recovered from this, that I could still be a high functioning person. I was waiting for willingness and I was waiting for it to get worse. And you know what? 
neither may come. I may never get the willingness and it may not get worse. It may just stay where it is right now. And that was so unacceptable to me. It was like being in hell, a permanent state of hell, you know, and the willingness came when I started taking the action steps. That's when the willingness came. So anyways, I was just looking at when it says, except in a few rare cases, neither he nor any other human being can provide such a defense. I haven't come across any rare cases, but I do believe in miracles, but I don't want to risk it. You know, I need my fellows. I need my we. I always need to have people around me that have what I want. I'm never going to arrive. I'm always going to be growing and changing and needing to surrender more and more. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa B. And now, uh, Devorah S., followed by Julie H. Hey, good morning, everyone, and thank you all who make this meeting possible. My name is Devorah S., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in New Jersey. And once more, the alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense against the first strength. So that was the problem. I had no mental defense. I always thought, and I always thought that others had it. You know, who I, 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 follow, I followed people literally. I heard someone lost a lot of weight. I would call them up. I would ask them what they did because I thought that was the answer. I thought they had it. Um, anyone who, who was successful in weight loss, I thought, you know, tell me. Tell me what you did because I wanted that. Um, and the truth of the matter is they probably don't even know you know, what they do, you know, how they did it. They didn't know that they had a mental problem um, because they went to all these crazy things, what they did with their, with their, uh, with their food. Um, and it's only coming into this program, I'm here 21 years, that I learned that the problem originated in my head. It was my mental capacity, decapacity, that kept me doing what I kept doing and eating and eating and not being able to stop. And then it was not not just that, but I needed to find a higher power. And all the years I made my food the higher power, I made others on my higher power, and here I needed to find God. Um, And um, because that's the only power that can help me. And it doesn't just come this one time, I put down the food and I'm done, right? God helped me. But every day I need to grow, and every day I have to walk along with God leading me. Um, and, and that's the only thing that's going to keep me to where I am today, um, abstaining from the food and seeking his will every single day. Um, I can't just say, well, I got it once, and then that's it, and let it go. But every day, and what keeps me grounded here is getting here to these meetings, submitting myself to God's will every single day, working the steps, being in touch with others, doing my 10s, 11s, and 12s each day. Um, that's, that's the tools that I need. That's the steps that I need to keep me abreast with, with God, and that's how I grow each day. So really grateful to hear everybody here and to be part of you all who are striving daily to get close to God and to seek his will. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Deborah S. Julie H., followed by Dawn. Did I hear Julie H.? Well, maybe my ears are just packed with water or something. 
Um, okay, so uh, hi, hi, this, this is, is Joanne H. Oh, from Joanne. Boston. Okay, good morning. Thank Bye. you. Um, hi, everyone. Uh, Joanne H. from Boston, a compulsive overeater. Very grateful to be here. And, you know, um, it just is amazing to me how cunning, baffling, and powerful this disease is. Uh, you know, it was a miracle only by the grace of God after being in a relapse for seven years that finally, you know, it was the truth revealed to me that if, if, if you don't stop right now, it was 10 o'clock on a Sunday night, even though you think you have two more hours to binge and that you're going to get absent tomorrow, I told myself that story every day for seven years. Like if you don't stop right now, you're going to lose another decade of your life. Because those seven years were just food and I don't remember anything else, oblivion. Because I live alone, don't have a family, so I can easily go off the rails without being noticed. So, um, you know, the first year was a struggle. And to the grace of God, I was like, oh, my God, was I abstinent today? I was like, yes, like miracle upon miracle. So the first year was a struggle. And I'm just going to fast forward, like move forward six you know, 16 years later, last spring, I've been absent now, you know, for 16 years, all the hard parts done into a routine, not a cloud on the sky is one of the other stories say prior to this paragraph. And I open a cabinet door and there's a box of Girl Scout cookies. I used to be a Girl Scout. I love the Girl Scouts. And every year I do buy some stuff from them and I give it away. Um, I just want to support them. So there was this box, and it was the most frightening thing. All of a sudden, this dialogue started that, oh, oh, you can have that. No one will know. It's like, it's, it's free. You've paid for it already. And it's just, it's just a box. Like, you just have that, and don't tell anyone. No one will see it. And all of a sudden, I'm having this conversation in my head that, is making perfect sense is that it is okay for me to eat. And it wasn't even just one. Of course, immediately I wanted the whole box, but that was it. It was like, I just want the box and then I'll be done. And I remember standing there staring at it for a few minutes with the debate in my head. And then thank God, like a small voice, and I'll say the small voice of God was saying, this is not a good idea. You are in such a dangerous place right now. And I took it. Honestly, I trashed it. Um, you know, I haven't done that in years where I had to throw away food not to eat it. Um, made a call. And, and, and that stuck with me that, how did that happen? Like, I almost picked up. Okay, thank you. And that's why it's just through the grace of God and being part of this program, it allows me to be absent through the miracle of the 12 steps. Thank you. Thank you, Julianne H. Um, next up, uh, Dawn, followed by Jason K. Uh, Dawn, uh, if you can give us the initial of your last name, please. Dawn, please, please start one to one mute, please. Can you hear me now? Yes. Okay. I am um, powerless over technology this morning. Um, 
My name is Dawn. Uh, I want to thank you for your service. Um, this tiny, tiny paragraph is so powerful to me um, because I knew that I was beyond human aid and that no mental defense, um, you know, and beyond any mental defense because I was certain that I was possessed by demons. There was no other explanation for this. Um, and I would collapse onto the floor bonelessly, um, begging God to exercise me. Um, this happened all through my young life into my teenage years until I found this program uh, when I was well, that was 2012, and I can't even calculate how I was, but I am 55 now. Um, my pattern was every weekday, I would go up and down uh, the aisles of the supermarket. I would fill my cart with every food that I wanted. Um, and then I would go back through the aisles and put all the food back in its place and leave the uh, supermarket empty-handed but on Saturdays I would do the same thing up and down the aisles fill my cart with all my you know what I could possibly dream of and then I would buy the food that was in that cart and I would binge and vomit all weekend long lather rinse repeat uh, and then I would have no more food in the house and, um, you know, then I would be back at the supermarket doing the same. Um, and then I finally, at some point, just gave up. Uh, and I stopped putting the food back on the shelves. Um, so strong was uh, the feeling that if this could only be demonic possession. And this drove me crazy. Um, uh, but the program showed me that I was an addict, um, run-of-the-mill addict. You know, an addict is an addict is an addict. Um, not a demon is a demon is a demon. And I know that sounds extreme, but that's the, you want to call it a mental twist. Holy cow. Um, and uh, I must follow the instructions outlined in this book, and I'm so grateful for all of you. Fine. And I pass. Thank you, Dawn. Uh, next up, Jason K., followed by Susan H., and if you each take two and a half minutes, uh, we'll have time for both. Um, Jason K., go ahead, please. Good morning. This is Jason K., recovered compulsive eater and bulimic from outside of Philadelphia. Um, I like how Bill says, you know, once again, he, he, he goes over this point again and again. He's really driving home uh, the first step, uh, the first step for us. He's trying to get us really clear what is the nature of, of being a compulsive eater. You know, I had strange issues with food. I had a strange relationship with food. I ate too much or what I thought was too much. And I always tried to control. And, and you know, as a teenager, a young teenager, I'm asking, you know, my mom, how do I lose weight? Uh, you know, and so I thought, yeah, I'm a compulsive uh, eater. And I started going to meetings when I was 20 years old, 21. 
and I'd, I'd, I'd look around the room and people share and I say, well, I guess I have to say I'm a compulsive eater in order to speak. So I say, I'm Jason, I'm a compulsive eater. And I'd be leaving that, uh, that meeting saying, am I, you know, am I really a compulsive eater? And he says at certain times, we have a mental defense. So there'd be times when I'd, I'd sit there and I'd, I'd do a, a, a paradigm shift or I'd repeat a mantra and I'd be able to not eat some of those binge foods and I'd walk away with my held, you know, head held high thinking, I've got this, I can do this. You know, I don't need to go to those meetings. I'm not a compulsive eater. Uh, but what I think was happening is I really didn't understand how much trouble I was in. I didn't understand that I had this allergy of the body, uh, uh, an, an abnormal reaction, and that my mental defenses uh, were, were progressively getting weaker and weaker and more and more with a progressive uh, fatal illness. I was succumbing to the, uh, the food thoughts, the binge behaviors, the purge behaviors, more and more. And I tried mental defenses. I became a certified hypnotist to hypnotize myself. I tried to list all my triggers. I'd go to a meeting, I'd hear, keep it green. Okay, so I would write a list of all the negative consequences of my, uh, my, my binging, my purging, uh, and I'd, I'd, I'd work myself up into a tizzy thinking about, you know, look at all these negative consequences. You know, I heard at a meeting once, don't eat no matter what. And I just just say, yes, I just need to make up my mind. I'm not going to eat no matter what. I'm not going to eat no matter what. And I kind of say that as a mantra as my shoulders tightened and my jaw tightened. Uh, and eventually, uh, none of those defenses lasted. Um, so, yeah, we have a solution. I'll pass with that. Thank you, Jason Kay. And um, Susan H., you have uh, two minutes. Uh, please take us out. Okay. Can you hear me? Yeah, perfectly. Okay, great. Uh, I'm Susan H. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Ohio. Very grateful to be here. If we're here and we are real compulsive overeaters, then we at certain times have no human defense against the first bite. My defense must come from a higher power. I, like the teachers and guides and newcomers and the still suffering here, I show up because I need to be here. I need to maintain and enlarge my spiritual life every day. Um, page 89 says, working with others is my best defense. When I reach out to help, I am helped. When I surrender, I invite my higher power closer. And I want to close with page 57. When we drew near to him, he disclosed himself to us. A uh, little backwards here, but what is this? But a miracle of healing. It's not mine. It's thanks to the group, the instructions, my higher power. So um, grateful to be here, grateful to share. Be well. I pass. Thank you, Susan Age, uh, and thank you to everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today, Friday, March 12, 2021, is 16571. 
And uh, we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Um, Ross G., would you please read A Vision for You? Our Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, thank you. I'm Ross G., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relation with him is right. And great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then, 